Well, good morning again, everybody. I, I'm sorry we forgot to send out the message that you could wear PJs this morning, but uh, a couple of you are PJ-ish. That's all right. Um, I was going to wear PJs myself, but I figured, well, maybe not. Um, but this morning is Christmas Eve. It's the day before the day that we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And as we learned this morning through uh, the reading that the, the, the Miller family came up and did, um, on this last day of Advent before the birth of Christ, we celebrate God's love. And there is nothing greater to show us as humanity God's love than Jesus Christ and his birth on Christmas morning. And as we light the center candle, the center candle represents Jesus Christ. And this morning I want to talk to you a little bit about the love of God, and I want to start by talking about Santa Claus. Anybody here know who Santa Claus is? Anybody ever heard the poem, "'Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse." Anybody know the next line? The stockings were hung, go ahead, by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. Now, this poem, uh, which was written uh, many, many, many years ago, we called A Visit from St. Nicholas or Twas the Night Before Christmas. And we listen to this poem. Everybody, everybody knows this poem. They've heard the poem. This is where we find out the names of the reindeer. And we find out what St. Nicholas wore as he bounded down the chimney. And we find out all of the things that St. Nicholas did. And of course, the poem kind of goes off the rails pretty soon, uh, in, about in the middle when they start talking about St. Nicholas and bringing the toys and being jolly and all of those things. Those things are true to an extent, but we're talking about a real person named Nicholas who lived from the 200s to the 300s A.D. St. Nicholas was a person who cared for the poor. He loved the poor. And that line, the stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. That actually reflects what people thought about St. Nicholas. Because St. Nicholas is said to have brought money and gifts to poor people and to have put those gifts in stockings that were hung by the fireplace to be dried overnight. And there's a story that says that St. Nicholas once uh, heard of a very poor man who had three daughters. And the man was so poor that he was not going to be able to pay a dowry for his daughters. Now today we think, well, that's just ridiculous. But in that time... When a woman was to be married, the family, the father, would offer a gift 
to the groom. They called it a dowry. And these, this family was so poor that the father was not going to be able to pay the dowry. And as a result, the danger was that the girls, his three daughters, would have to be sold into servitude in order to continue to survive, to continue to live. And the story goes that St. Nicholas, on Christmas Eve, climbed onto the roof of the house and dropped a bag of gold down the chimney and it was enough that all three of his daughters were able to be married and not be ser uh, sold into servitude. This was the love that St. Nicholas had for the poor. And of course, we read the stories, we hear about St. Nicholas, and we, we, we combine him with this idea of Santa Claus that we, of course, know. Um, and some people don't know, though, that the picture of Santa Claus that we see today was actually an advertisement for Coca-Cola. That is why he wears red and white. The Santa Claus that we see in the malls and all over the place came from this idea of an advertisement. It did not come from this idea of who St. Nicholas was. And as we think about the love of Jesus Christ and the fact that God sent His Son, lowered Him down to us to be the gift that would allow us to break the chains of servitude and to be able to be the bride of Christ. These are the things that we want to keep our focus on. And uh, Renee did a wonderful job this morning. She had a, a, an alternative version of Twas the Night Before Christmas. Um, and as it happens, we did not communicate because I also have a version of Twas the Night Before Christmas called The First Christmas Night. Now, my family has had this book, uh, let's see, what, for about 12, 13, 14 years? Um, and we read this every Christmas morning before we open gifts, because we do. We want to focus on why we are opening gifts in the first place, because Jesus Christ was the greatest gift given to humanity. So we read this book every year, and we still do. Even though one of our boys is 20 and one of our boys is 16, we're going to read this tomorrow. And they will argue back and forth over who will read it. Well, not anymore. But... They used to want to read this, and now, of course, they get to pick who gets to read it tomorrow. And that's an argument they can have all day today. <laughs> but I want to show you this story. This is what we focus on when we are, and when we have woken up on Christmas morning. It says, "'Twas the very first Christmas, when all through the town, not a creature was stirring, there was not a sound." The moon shining bright in the heaven on high gave the luster of midday to the Bethlehem sky. The animals, I can't read that, it's too small. <laughs> what does it say? The animals were, I'll read you the, I'll read you the book. 
The animals were nestled in warm, cozy places with looks of contentment on each of their faces. I'll do this like a little kindergarten teacher. There we go. I'll show the pictures to you guys. And Mary and Joseph, so tired from the road, had just settled in to a humble abode. To a Bethlehem stable, they had traveled with care. They knew that their baby soon would be there. And then, in the stable, a baby's first cry. Peace on earth, goodwill, redemption is nigh. He had not a crib, but in a manger instead, the tiny new baby lay down his sweet head. Mary looked down at his cute little nose and silently counted ten fingers, ten toes. And I am sure every mother in this room remembers counting ten fingers and ten toes. As shepherds kept watch on a small nearby hill, their sheep were all silent and sleepy and still. When suddenly in the sky there arose such a sight, one angel, then many, appeared in the night. The heavens rejoiced as their story unfurled, a baby, a savior, had been born to the world. So the shepherds arose to search for the place to get a close look at the sweet baby's face. And now we that know can say with delight, Jesus was born on that first Christmas night. Like I said, this is, a, this is just one of the traditions that I love so much in our family, that we read this book every year before all of the craziness starts. Some of you are going to be getting up at very, very early hours tomorrow morning as your children run into your rooms at 4 o'clock and say, it's time to get up! Some of you will be very fortunate, as I, I talked to Louis this morning, he's going to be very fortunate there will be no children in his house on Christmas morning, and they will sleep until they want to wake up. And we're going to be traveling, and we're going to be eating, and we're going to be doing all of these things and opening presents, and the living room's going to look like a bomb, hit it with all of the paper strewn all over the place. But we want to focus on what's important. We want to focus on what's crucial. And that is the love of God. He sent His Son so that we might know a relationship with the Father. And when we talk about love, what we're talking about is God's Love, And we've heard this word many times in this church, this, this term agape love. This is the love of God. It is not a romantic love. It is not even a friendship love. It is a perfect love. And the Apostle Paul wrote a description of what this love is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We often call it the love chapter and most uh, a lot of weddings, Christian weddings, um, including uh, Wendy's and mine, would have this passage read. But when we think about God's love, let's really think about what 
we're talking about here. We're talking about this idea that love is patient and kind. And of course, all of us are patient. And all of us are kind. All of the time, right? Any impatient people in here? Wow, oh, look at that. The entire family in the back row right there. Thank you very much for being, uh, for being honest. <laughs> love is patient and kind. This is God's love. And the very first thing we learn is that God is patient. Jesus Christ is patient. And when we practice the love of God, we are patient. And we are kind. And so often there's just not a lot of patience and kindness coming from anybody these days, but especially coming from some Christians. As a church, when we focus on the love of God, let us focus first on patience and kindness. These are the first two things that Paul lists as the aspects of love, and he doesn't do that by accident. The very first thing that we should learn is that God is patient. In Scripture, we're told that God is so patient that He has held back His hand of judgment so that every person on earth has the opportunity to know Him. That is how patient God is. And we talk about kindness. And when we talk about it in church, we talk about God's loving kindness. And it's true. God wants the very best for us. God wants us to love as He loves. Paul goes on, love does not envy or boast. Then he starts getting into this idea of what we shouldn't be doing if we want to express the love of God. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. These are all aspects of Jesus Christ. God does not look down on you and say, you're going to love me. He gives us free will. We can choose to love God or to not love God. He does not force those things upon us. It is not irritable or resentful. Again, I see no one in here that would ever be irritable <laughs> or resentful. But again, these are things that if we notice these things in ourselves, if we are envious, if we are boastful, if we are irritable, if we are resentful, we are forgetting the love of God in that moment. And that's not to say that we don't love God. It's not to say that we don't love others. It's just that at that moment, we are forgetting the love of God. And any time we find ourselves in a position where we're envious or boastful or irritable or resentful, 
we should come back to God in prayer and ask him to remove that resentment, to remove that irritability. And we can do that by focusing on him and who he is. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. When we get into uh, 2024, we're going to be talking about the things that people rejoice with that are not the truth. Especially people who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ. We cannot look at wrongdoing and celebrate it and expect that we will be building the kingdom of God. And this is where Paul gets serious. He says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This is not talking about an attitude that we have. This is talking about a state of being that we are in. He talks about bearing and enduring. He's not talking about putting up with. That is not what those words mean. When he says that love bears all things and love endures all things, that means that love lasts. That means that love remains love. And because it endures all things, it can bear all things. It can put up with all things, yes. But when Paul says love bears all things, the picture that we should have in our mind is Jesus Christ bearing the sins of the world, bearing the cross that he carried up the hill. That is what love bears all things means. And it believes all things. It hopes all things. We've been talking about hope and joy and peace and love during this Advent season. Love hopes all things and endures all things. Love never ends. And we have to remember this is the love of God that we are talking about. And I want to encourage you to read through this passage this week as you are celebrating the birth of Christ, as you are celebrating family and friends. And I want to challenge you. See if you can put your name in the place of the word love. Joe is patient and kind. Renee does not envy or boast. Isaac is not arrogant or rude. Luke does not insist on his own way. Kenny is not irritable or resentful. Louis does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth. Linda bears all things. Carolyn believes all things. Angie hopes all things. Cindy endures all things. Put yourself in this scripture. and prayerfully ask that God would make this scripture 
true of you. And I'm going to pray that God makes this Scripture true for me. Because if we, as a congregation, can display the aspects of love that Paul is talking about here, then we will show the love and the light of Jesus Christ. Not just during Advent. Not just on Sunday mornings. Love will never end. We will never stop loving our neighbor. We will never stop giving to our neighbor in need. You ever noticed the Ten Commandments? There's one thing that the Ten Commandments doesn't mention. Love. I am the Lord your God. Have no other gods before me. Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Honor your mother and your father. The word love is not there, but it is implied. If you look at the Ten Commandments, the first several commandments can be wrapped up in one phrase. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the last of the commandments are wrapped up in the other phrase. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus Christ came to bring a new covenant and that new covenant says that if we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourself, if we confess our sins to Jesus Christ, and we show others the love of God, we're going to spend eternity with Him. But make no mistake, eternity does not start when you die. Eternity does not start when Jesus Christ comes on the last day for judgment. Eternity starts today. Christmas Eve, 2023. And I want to encourage you. Love. Love God. Love your neighbor. Don't get caught up in all of the other stuff that's going on right now. Don't get caught up in the presents and the dinners and the cookies and the parties and all of those things. Focus on what matters. That love never ends. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ. The greatest gift so that we might not just know life here on earth, but that we might know spiritual life, that we might know eternal life with you, and that eternal life starts now. Father, light in us the light of Christ and make it so bright that people won't be able to help but notice it to see it, and to wonder about it. Father, as we think of the wonder of Christmas, when we think of the wonder of you sending your Son to be a human being, 
Help us to show others through our love who you are and why you love them just as much. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. As you celebrate this week with your family, with your friends, many of you are going to be doing a lot of traveling. We pray safe travels for you. We pray that you can shine the light of Christ to those family and friends who don't yet know him. Most of all, instead of saying Merry Christmas, I want to wish the hope and the peace and the joy and the love of God on each of you. God bless you.